welcome to another installment of I'd Rather Be at the Movies with Matt Donato and Justine Browning. Hey! Hey, everybody. So we had a little long weekend over here, and we're looking at what's coming out next week. Not much, honestly. We have RoboCop coming out, which I will be seeing on Monday. Unfortunately, no thoughts on that yet. Joel Kinnaman is in it, and he's actually the star of The Killing on AMC, and he's really one of the highlights of that show, so he's a great actor from Sweden that I think will bring something very interesting to the character. What's also interesting is the director directed Elite Squad 1 and 2, oh, which are really intense action yeah. movies, if anyone has seen them, and so I'm not really sure why everyone's nervous um, about this RoboCop remake. I know it's getting mixed reviews, it's getting a little up and down from across the pond, but I'm, I don't know, I'm not really, I'm not down on this yet, I'm kind of excited to go see it. I heard there is an actual script. There is? No. They actually <laughs> wrote a script. With a plot. Get out of here. And dialogue. And a relevant theme to today's world. I just don't know. The only thing I'm nervous about is the original RoboCop has that gritty violence of, you know, just insane sci-fi. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that over. But we get Sam Jackson, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> Big Sam Jackson. that completely now. Absolutely. <laughs> so I wrote a lot of reviews last week. I was on a little review kick. I think I wrote like 10 reviews, which is kind of insane for one week. I feel lazy next to you. I know. I am just... I'm better, but we can pass that. <laughs> we'll gloss over that. But no, I wrote a ton of reviews, so I want to talk a little bit about movies that you might not have heard of, and most of these movies that I did review were lesser known, besides the Lego movie, which you should all go see. Best movie of the year. Which I'm going to see again tonight, and because when I do the free screening, I don't get to give my money to a movie I really like, so I'm actually going to go back, and it's good enough where I'm going to go pay that like crazy $20 ticket to see an IMAX 3D, but... It's way worth it. And I think it. it'll be fun with a big crowd of the public. Everything is awesome over and <laughs> yeah. over again. I want that song on repeat. But anyway, <laughs> so let's get to some lesser known movies that I reviewed. I don't know what we're going to call this segment. Let's just call it Lesser Known Movies I Reviewed. I think that's <laughs> that a perfect work? title. By Matt Sums Donato. <laughs> so let's first start with a movie called Lucky Bastard. I'm going to try <laughs> explaining this to you. And you're going to try to have a straight face when I do this. Okay. <clears throat> It is a found footage horror movie that takes place on a porno set. The whole idea is that Lucky Bastard is a website that lets everyday average Joes have sex with their favorite porn actress <laughs> on camera for the website. So basically, it's amateur porn to the 10th degree. Um, so this guy comes on. Is this based on a true story? I have not found this website yet. Okay, that's all I need. <laughs> no, it is not based on a true story. No, no, no. And of course, because it's found from horror, they film in this house that conveniently has a bunch of surveillance cameras. The guy comes in, seems nice enough, all of a sudden starts to get a little sketchy, has some performance issues. <laughs> air quotes. Note the air you quotes. Can't see the air you quotes. can't see my air quotes, but there are air quotes here. And that's where the horror comes in. Because he just can't deal with the performance issues. Here's the problem. I'm one of the only negative reviews on it. I don't really. I don't really know why. It, it's done pretty well on the festival circuit with uh, genre critics, and I can. I guess I can understand it because oh. found footage is very stale right now. And I, I mean, we haven't seen a porno. Or I, I mean, like definitely haven't heard of this concept before. Here's my thing, though. I mean, you relate nudity yeah. and all the boobs and everything, mm -hmm. that's, that's horror. I mean, how long, like, look at any past horror movie. There have been naked women 
And a lot of images are going through my head. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't get where the originality comes in. I guess just because it's on a porno set. But yeah, they're saying it's very original. They're saying it's very gripping. It's this whole new, new era. I don't. I don't know. I, they're really high on it, but I didn't get it. Wow. I, I mean, to me, it was just a lot of really cheesy dialogue. I mean, you don't watch porn for the acting, and that's the kind of acting you get for an yeah. hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be talking that much about porn or that I watch porn. I'm just saying. So but it definitely isn't as good as Bad Milo. I mean. The movie we about can, the butt are we really going back to Bad Milo? I again? think we should just base how good a movie is. On um, one to how, Bad Milo, how, how good is this movie? To Bad Milo, well, be, not. I mean, jokes aside, I think that concept is so original and interesting. Um, and it's really hard to find that in horror films. And it so is. It is kind of interesting to compare the two. And that's why I came into Lucky Bastard going like, "Wow, this really does sound exactly creative and cool." Really but I mean, basically, it's. I'm going to say it's about an hour's worth of you watching NC-17 rated pornography. Um, is there a grittiness to it? Or no, is it that's what I'm saying. When, okay. it, com- when it comes in at the end, it's, it's all summed up in one quick climax. There's a gun involved. Uh, it's not much genre insanity, honestly. I'm curious to hear like what other people that I know think about it because yeah. I didn't like it. And I was really surprised that everyone else did. If you're a genre fan, a bunch of people did like it, a bunch of reputable critics that I like actually a lot, and that I, you know, kind of try to emulate a little bit. It's quite an objective review. Yeah, so I'm saying try it if you really want to. If you really like an NC-17 horror movie based on pornography, this is right up your alley. yeah. Favorite porn star. Crazy concept. I hope this doesn't spark any like actual Don't, ideas in life. Sweet <laughs> lord, I hope it does not. That would be some of the sickest stuff ever. Yeah. But so let's go to my next movie, which I yeah, actually yeah. liked a lot and is available what? on demand right now. Grand Piano. Oh. Big fan. It's like mm-hmm. Beethoven meets Speed, which is like how does that not sound awesome? I'm in. And instead of Keanu yeah, Reeves, right now. it's Elijah Wood, who's brilliant. I love Elijah Wood now. I would have liked to have seen them both, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. No, so again, simple concept. It really is. It Elijah Wood is a brilliant penis. Hat penis. <laughs> Had to make that joke once. Sorry. No, he's a brilliant he's got penis. Got born on the brain. I just can't get it. So he's a brilliant piano player. He plays a concert right after his mentor of sorts uh, passes away, and the piano has a special significance because it was. You know, the guy's piano. And there's also this mystery behind the piano where apparently, like, it could be a a locked box for some sort. I'm I'm trying to stay as vague as possible. So with that knowledge... Appreciate that. Yes. It's a very thrilling movie, so I want to stay very detail-less. Let's go with that. But, uh, no, so Elijah Wood's playing. He opens his music. And he sees a note that says, you know, like, read, go to the next page. Yeah. Turns to the next page, and basically it says, there's a man in the audience with a very high-powered sniper rifle, and it's aimed right at him, and if he doesn't play flawlessly, which he didn't last time, and he spent five years away from being on stage because he choked, if he doesn't play perfect this time, he's gonna kill his lover. 
So, oh my god. You know, Elijah. I have to go and watch this right now. Yeah, so Elijah Sorry. would kind of like go, oh, this can't be true, whatever. He's having his own little inner debate. And then this little red dot appears on the <gasps> like on the music. So then I'm getting chills right now. So from from there, it's him playing through this concert, and the music is spectacular. It's I'm I'm a metal fan. I'm this weird <laughs> rock and roll guy. I still do all that stuff, but to sit there and listen to concert piano playing, it was actually very relaxing. It was very nice. Um, Woods' performance again. I loved him in Maniac. That I was, was another movie. I was just really like this, high on really Maniac. Well, I, Maniac is not like this. Trust me. Maniac was sick and twisted. But and again, nobody really recognized that movie. Not at, at all. all. And, and this one either. No, not at all. I, Maniac was Maniac was the best horror movie of last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't get away from that. But um, yeah. So Woods' role here is just as gripping, and he plays this man. He's just he's playing piano the whole time. He's on stage and. Oh, it's great. I, I loved it. I absolutely love Grand Piano. To me, what I'm getting out of this summary is it's kind of what it feels like to be an artist for so many people or, or do something like that, like play a, a concert. You think that if you don't do it right, you're go- someone will shoot you. Like, that is just how high the stakes are. Exactly. But and this is literally... A whole new level. Like, if I mess up, something terrible will happen to someone. Oh, and can I say that... John Cusack is the man with the gun. Will yeah, you stop it? Yeah. Cusack's in it. Alex Winter of what? Bill and Ted fame. Bill and Ted's Alex Winter show. is the guy on the ground that does all of Cusack's work. It's not really hidden that it's Cusack. You know he's in the movie and you hear his voice immediately, so I'm not spoiling anything, everybody. Don't worry about that. Um, so are you ready for another movie? Because I'm yeah, giving, I, I just keep going. I, I'm just gonna stop with Grand Piano there. Everyone go see it. It's a great thriller. The next movie I'm gonna go into is called After the Dark. This is another, this is, I think it's limited right now. Okay. It might be video on demand, mm. so you can check it out, but this might also be just a limited release, in which case it's going to be like a New York, L.A. thing. Uh, but, okay, so After the Dark is a philosophy class in high school, and it's their last day, and it's touted as a apocalypt- apocalyptic, sorry. Another one of those? One of those movies, but the whole idea is it's not the apocalypse. It's these philosophy kids sitting in class, and their teachers leading them through scenarios. So, the apocalypse is what this guy is creating. He's telling them, okay, there's about 20 of you plus me, that makes 21. You're, we're all stranded in the apocalypse. There's nuclear bombs going off all around us. And then we're immediately transported to this area. Okay. So we're seeing the things as they happen, but we know they're just in class. Mm-hmm. So, But the whole idea is that in each scenario, there are 21 lives it's the apocalypse you can only save 10 people each person has a different occupation each person has a different skill Mm. and it's up to these philosophy kids to figure out who do we save who do we repopulate the world with you know they take everything into consideration you know and then they go in the bunker live for a year and they have to come back out out of the bunker after the apocalypse is over so there's three they run three scenarios and each one has varying you know, outcomes, we'll call them. Right. Again, we know none of these kids are dying. We know it's kids just talking about it. But the way that they splice together the classwork, and then it cuts to all of a sudden, bomb, nuclear explosions, like I said, and it's really interesting how they debate the apocalypse. So philosophy is a useful subject to have. Exactly. Studied exactly. I mean, number one, where was this in my philosophy class? Right? I slept through philosophy because oh, it was just reading... Oh, I, 
that was one of the examples they gave in the movie, actually. But yeah, I mean, it's it's so much fun to watch them work through the struggle of do we keep do I keep my best friend who's a florist or do we keep the organic farmer? It's like a live board game. Exactly, and each time different wrenches are thrown in where there might be the occupation and then they flip the card over and all of a sudden there's something else that goes along with it. And something as silly as, I'm just like, I'm trying to think out loud. Um, oh, so there's a electrician and you need electricity. You need an electrician that knows how to wire things. But he's also sterile. So do you bring the electrician who's sterile because he can't reproduce? Oh my God. No, you don't. Well, that's what they have to debate. And that's the whole debate. It's... I would suck It goes on... I would die first. Oh, yeah, immediately. Like, there's one kid who's a poet, and he's just immediately, like, just disregarded. Oh, my God. We would be killed so quickly. I'm a film reviewer. Are there films in the apocalypse? I'm an interviewer in the red carpet report. Yeah. Oh, all the celebrities are dead, so I'm useless. Okay, great. Oh, man, we would be useless. We would be utterly useless and thrown away immediately. <laughs> but, so we had to get some more skills. I think that's what it means. Yeah. Skills that would be useful during an apocalypse. There's a gelato maker. And, again. I would save him. Would, would, do you save the gelato maker? Yes. And then he flips his card over and he's like, I don't have anything else special. He's like, well, you're just a gelato maker. So the kid just screwed from immediately. But I really, I actually really liked it. Oh. I dug it. It was a really interesting watch. It was a thinking. I'm going to call it a thinking man's movie because. We don't want any of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... I want to see nonstop, okay? Just kidding. I, I can't talk about that yet. I did go to the press day this weekend. Uh, okay. I had some fun interviewing people, but I'm under embargo to talk about nonstop. So it's like blink out a signal. <laughs> Once we're not recording, we'll talk. Talk in Morse code. Oh, can I tap on the table? Yeah, that's that, that's can, can you guys pick that up? In there? Are you hearing my tap? Okay. No, so after the dark... If you can find it, I suggest it. I think it was a really fun watch. I think it's something that you can get involved in, and it deals with these horror themes, mm. but it's not horrifying at all. It's actually intellectual, and it's actually pretty weighty. Sounds like a brain buster. A brain it's buster a fun brain movie. buster. It's, it's a good one. Okay. The next one we're going to go with is The Pretty One. This was actually a, a new release um, we didn't talk about. I don't know why, but so I'm going to talk about it now. Yeah, go for it. It stars Zoe Kazan. Who was in mm. Ruby Sparks, I believe. Yes. Right? She plays... Very underlooked movie as well. Yes. So this is one of those kind of indie darling movies where it does really well in festivals. Yeah. And then I'm watching it... I try to think as an audience member of mainstream kind of watching, and I don't see this one translating. Okay. So it's about a girl who has an identical twin. She lives... Her name is Laurel, and her sister's name is Audrey. Are the sisters... And Laurel is the stay-at-home kind of rural suburb kind of person. Stays with her father. Her mother just passed away, so she tries to care for her uh, father. But Audrey comes home, and she is a real estate... I'm not going to say mogul, but she's moved to the big city. She's the girl who became completely independent, completely free. Very fun. So they're comparing one another, and Audrey goes, Why don't you move with me to the city? Get out of this town. So they have this whole plan, how they're going to run away and be happy together, and Laurel's going to find her, spread her wings, one of those kind of movies, and then Audrey dies. They get in a car crash. What? 
they had just got a make they had just got makeovers. So Laurel looks like Audrey. Everyone thinks that Laurel died because the body was charred and Laurel adapts Audrey's life. So she moves to the big city. I can definitely see some people digging this. So this also has Jake Johnson, who is amazing. I love him. He's on The New Girl. He's been yes. Safety Not Guaranteed. Yes. I dig everything this guy does. Shout out to Safety Not Guaranteed. Another uh, phenomenal movie. But movie. what he does so well is the normal guy routine, and that is exactly what he is here. He lives under, or he lived under Audrey's uh, renting, but now it's Laurel. So Laurel is trying to figure out who this guy is, and she realizes, oh, he's just renting from Audrey. And they start this whole relationship where Audrey used to be this very cold person to him, and they didn't get along, and now all of a sudden he thinks Audrey is this newly changed girl, and we know it's Laurel. Then it becomes Laurel trying to go through life as Audrey without being found out, and there's really weird, like, your sister's dead, and you're kind of taking her life over. So she's trying to figure out exactly what Audrey was doing. She's trying to be Audrey, but she doesn't know anything about what Audrey did. Yeah. There's really weird undertones. There's really... I didn't know whether to laugh or be, like, really emotionally struck. I found it very tonally imbalanced. I couldn't really stay on one side where it wanted to be a lighthearted comedy or it wanted to be this really punchy, emotional roller coaster. So I had trouble with that, and I actually walked away not too happy with it. Oh, really? I'm going to go down on this one. I don't like... You were, like, totally selling it, and then you oh, switched. Oh, no, I... Is that kind of how the format of the movie is? You're really into it, and you're on board, and then you're like, no. No, I, I try to be objective with this one again, because it is one of those indie darlings. Okay. I'll say that again. And I think some people are going to love it. I think it's going to have a really connected mm. story to some people. Maybe especially people who have siblings, even, or yeah. exact twins. But for me, the whole... Ah, it was just a little weird at points. I Again, I was sitting there like kind of like ch chuckling awkwardly, hmm. but not really being sure if I could be okay. or should be. But it's definitely worth checking out. Check it out. I'm, okay. I, I'm very fair with my reviews. I'm not going to sit here and trash something and say... Everyone has different opinions. Right. This is one of those movies that really going to be split, and it is split right now. If you look at the critical response, it's pretty much almost even. All right, we're going to try another video on demand one. <laughs> this is called Welcome to the Jungle. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme in his first comedic role ever. Also stars Christian Schaal, Rob Hubel, Adam Brody, a bunch of faces you've seen as well. Dennis mm -hmm. Haysbert is somebody in this. Um, and the whole idea is it's a business, that goes away on one of those like team building retreats, and Van Dam is this ex-military kind of leader who takes them all in the jungle and is going to teach them survival survival skills and how to be strong leaders and independent workers. And what happens is the pilot dies, so then they don't know how they're going to leave. And then Van Dam fights a tiger, and he gets, and he disappears, which is awesome. That's the best part of the movie. He fights a tiger and just vanishes. I'm not going to tell you what happened. I mean. Van Damme is a character in the movie. He disappears for a portion of it. It was awful. It no? was atrocious. Oh. It was not funny. It was not... I mean, the only it's one... It's not like spoofing itself or anything? That's the only one in on the joke was Van Damme. Okay, so it's Which not... is great. Van Damme was funny. You can laugh at Van Damme. But then you remove him he from the movie. He was in like a separate movie. Essentially, yeah. You remove okay. him from the movie, 
and you're left with all the supporting characters. So it's trying to be serious. No, it was trying to be a comedy. It's, oh, it's trying to be a comedy, but it's unfunny. It's completely It's not funny. like an ironic, satirical spoof. It's just trying to be a straight comedy. It's just a hard. bunch of curse jokes and fart jokes and weird jokes. Oh. Again, Hubel, hilarious man. I think he's one of the funniest supporting characters you can find. He's funny when he's yelling. So what does he do the whole time? He just yells random profanities and just says really weird stuff. Nobody goes outside the box, nobody does anything interesting, and it becomes just dreadful. Whereas the other movies are sort of forgotten unfairly to, to an extent. This one, best left This one is in the absolutely left. Best left in the dark. Okay. Unless you're a hardcore Van Damme fan, in which case... Give it a try. Why not? Okay. Who cares? Um, you might find it funny at parts. I'm gonna do one more. Okay. It's called Scorn, and I just have to mention Oh, uh, is one. this the one with Billy Zane? Oh, the Zane. It popped oh, on, I think, Hulu or something. It was like a forced trailer on some video-on-demand service, and I saw that it seems like a threesome situation with Billy Zane. Oh, it, it, you know, I used to, I don't even know if I used to respect the Zane, um, but... It was the worst thing about Titanic, don't you think? <laughs> um, I mean... Because they're cartoons, I mean, well, yeah. If you really look back at Titanic, as great as it was when you were like 10... It's a bit silly. It's ridiculous. Paint me like I want you to jump in front of your French girl, Jack. Wearing this. Exactly. Wearing yeah. only this. <laughs> That's one of the greatest memes ever. But yes, no, um, I should have known coming into this how bad it was going to be because the Zane was attached, unfortunately. And, and he, dogs. He only does crazy, yeah, he only does crazy movies now that just really aren't good. And it's directed by the man who gave us Leprechaun. How does that not get you excited? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest, I kind of like I'm the horror guy, so it's funny in its own right, but this essentially is Anna Lynn McCord, who is on 90210, who I absolutely loved in Excision, which is a lesser-known horror thriller. I'm going to call it a body horror thriller. Okay. She's phenomenal in that, which got me excited for Scorn because it was another genre movie, and I was like, oh, I loved her in Excision. I can't wait to see what she does in Scorn. Oh, my God. I think it's the worst movie I'm going to see all year. I think it's pretty hands down set. That's, that's a pretty quick, you know, yeah, link no, to give it's it. It's pretty only easy too. February 9th. It's only so. February 9th. What is it? Yeah, it is February 9th. Wow. Where is time going? We're going to be at South by Southwest in no time. Yeah. Oh, Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, Scorn. So the whole idea is Annalyn McCord and Billy Zane are going away for a romantic trip just in the middle of nowhere in a really nice house, and she finds out he's cheating. So she goes all torture porn on him and, Good for her. you know, <laughs> ties him up, invites the, invites, well, we don't know who the person is, so she invites the mistress over, turns out to be her best friend, of course. Always a good idea. Always. And all been there. She gets tied up, and then the rest is Annalyn McCord threatening to kill a puppy the whole time. Poor, poor little Bootsy. She kills him, doesn't she? No, thank God, because if she'll she did, it would have been the worst movie ever. There is one hilarious scene where she threatens to microwave the dog. So, you see Annalyn putting the dog in the microwave. All the hope just drained from Cuts her. away. Cuts back to clearly a motionless stuffed animal sitting in a microwave. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going like, wow, you're really going to pull this? Like, which is great because you don't want to leave a dog in a microwave. That you, you should. Don't. And we've all been in that situation. You always good. take the dog out of the always microwave. Always take the dog out of the microwave. Always. But it's, it, that's how comical. I believe comical. it was Gandhi that said that. I, 
an eye for an eye, a dog for a microwave. That's, <laughs> don't leave the dog in the microwave. I don't think it was Gandhi. Anyway, but it's that laughable. Scorned is one of those movies you watch, and there's a car scene that's completely green screen, and it's one of those, like, over-exaggerated, where, like, Annalie McCord's, like, hands are going crazy on the wheel, and it's not, like, doing anything. That's not how people drive. I have to confess something. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> you just lost all hope. You're like, go ahead. What does it matter? I didn't, I, I, I just went to bed that night because I just didn't know what to say. I was like, <laughs> nothing I else I do is meaningful. Speak. I must hibernate. I kind of now want to check this out with a group of friends and, you know. But it's not even, I mean, she puts on this really crazy southern accent and she tries to be this really memorable villain and it just miserably fails. She's just, She's, I don't even know what she's trying to do. It's that bad. She's just <laughs> running around, like, breaking people's legs and stuff and trying to electrocute them, but Speaking she fails completely. Speaking of not knowing what they're doing or failing completely, the counselor is out on blue. Oh, yeah, you wanted to talk about this I, one. I, I've been well jabbering. Say, I apologize. It's a great movie if you like looking at Michael Fassbender, but it's terrible if you like decent movies. You're so proud of that, aren't you? The end. That's it. I put as much effort into that That's as Ridley Scott did into the movie. All you have. That's all I have. On the counselor. I have never seen something go so wrong. Really, I'm really surprised by that. Look at every review. It's not. A, it's not. Oh a no, no. I, I'm not saying about the movie. I'm just. I'm more surprised at how it turned out. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's really not much. the. I don't want to talk about it. I think I'd rather focus on decent worthy Blu-rays this week that maybe you missed in theaters. They're not for everybody, but Ender's Game. Did you see Ender's Game? Unfortunately, I did not. That was one of the movies I missed my screening. Yeah. Something came up and I couldn't go. And unfortunately, nope. It kind of got swept under the rug and I don't think that it was promoted as heavily as it could have been. Um, but basically, the film takes place when the world is under the threat of an alien race. And there's two prominent military figures that are played by Ben Kingsley and Harrison Ford. Yes. And they're in search of the next fleet commander. Ben Kingsley's the fleet commander that's uh, in charge of everything. And the way that they're searching for his replacement is training young soldiers at battle school and seeing which soldier emerges as his replacement. These are all young kids. And Asa uh, Butterfield plays uh, Ender Wigan. I just say I love his name. He's the kid from Hugo. He's I really think. good. Yeah. I love his name. For those that don't know that, Asa yeah. Butterfield. It's really compelling, and there's a great theme there because he's just an ordinary kid. He doesn't stand out, and it turns out he's actually quite extraordinary. Um, but the visuals are great, and I think there's just a lot to this movie. Uh, it's, again, I think critics were largely divided, but I remember audience reviews being quite positive. Yeah. It was, it was an audience favorite, for, or, it was, it was somewhat of a crowd pleaser. Uh, it's one of those big budget movies you can go into, and it's gonna be entertaining, there's flashy graphics, there's crazy sci-fi elements. Yeah. And it's kinda like a kid playing video games, except <laughs> people die. Um, I have to geek out for a second and recommend Austin Lands. Austin Lands. Which, again, not for everybody, but oh. I'm biased. Why? Because I'm quoted on the cover of the Blu-ray. You which, have to be. Which is as good as it's going to get for me in life. Congratulations and, on and, uh, that. Thank you. And the nerdiest thing is that I have that as my wallpaper on my phone and my screensaver on my laptop. It's incredibly nerdy. You've seen this. Um, and so I walk around with, with that on my phone. 
Who doesn't love Jane Austen? <laughs> and I, I think it was a cool thing for me personally to be quoted on that Blu-ray cover because I was super invested in this movie. When I heard about it premiering at Sundance, I thought that the concept was so insane um, and so fitting for so many people that love Pride and Prejudice. It's basically uh, a girl named Jane played by Carrie Russell who is so obsessed with Pride and Prejudice, the book by Jane Austen, <laughs> yep. that she pays a ridiculous amount of money, most of her money, to go to England and reenact the book. There's a place you can go called Austin Land where there are a bunch of men there dressed up in old-fashioned garb. You go to this big mansion, and it's basically you act out scenarios that would be reminiscent of that author's work. And so there's a bunch of, like, failed soap stars in this situation acting out all these different conflicts and romances. That's really interesting. It really is a lot of fun. I think a few people just didn't get it. They thought it was a little bizarre. But anybody that's obsessed with Jane Austen or even has read Pride and Prejudice and enjoyed it, I think so many people have, I think you'll find something in this. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know this, this is a big thing that factors into the movie. In the UK, there was a 1995 miniseries adaptation of Pride and Prejudice that starred Colin Firth. And there's a now famous scene in it where he goes for a swim and emerges from the water with drenched clothing, including a, a see-through white shirt. Ooh. So this movie's kind of been unofficially branded lady porn. And uh, lady porn. in the film, you see Carrie Russell's character re-watching that scene repeatedly while a life-size cardboard of, of Colin Firth is in the background. Where can you even get a life-size cutout of Colin Firth? On eBay? And yeah. I don't know this. I can't believe I answered that question. You answered that know. entirely too quickly to make me think that you Googled this once or twice. I remember at the press day there was a giant uh, Colin Firth cutout. So I did. I do know where to get one. It's at the Sony screening room. So if I walk into your room right now, there's not going to be a Colin Firth. I can't confirm, nor deny. I can confirm that right now, actually, if you want me to. <laughs> don't. No, okay. Don't tell the world. Um, but, but the thing is, when I interviewed the cast, and you can see this interview on my YouTube channel, which is inventively titled, My Name, Justine Browning, but, but on my YouTube channel, you can see, I interviewed Jennifer Coolidge, who's great in the movie. She is so she, funny. They, the, they oh, joke man. and said that she's never, never memorized a line in her life. I can and believe it's, that. It's apparent, and it's perfect for the movie. Uh, Carrie Russell and J.J. Field, who's an English actor that, uh, he's, was also part of the interview, and they were joking that they have that Colin Firth scene on a reel next to a fireplace and watch it repeatedly. Um, but, you know, the book Pride and Prejudice has inspired uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, which was a book that obviously spawned that popular movie, The Twins, right. um, the Bollywood film, Bride and Prejudice, and then... What? Yeah, yeah, with uh, Ashwarya Rai. It's actually quite cute. It's a, it's a Bollywood musical, Bride and Prejudice. Isn't all Bollywood kind of uh, musical? That's a good point, but, you know, this is this is to the work of Jane Austen, so it's interesting. Who's just and, begging uh, for a Bollywood adaptation? <laughs> well, there's also Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which I is in development. I mean, I'm the horror guy, so of course right. I'm Right, that's that. a quite, quite a popular book. And then there's the 2005 adaptation with Kieran Knightley. That's right, of course. Like the Joe Wright's version. Uh, I, I, I actually did kind of like that. Right? And, and so this story has inspired so many different uh, books and films and things like that. And um, of course, one of them is Austin Land. And I think that this is interesting because it's the first film from the indie production company Fickle Fish, which was started by Twilight author Stephanie Meyer and producer Megan Hibbett. And she started this company to make films based on books with great female leads, and they have quite a few projects in development at the moment. And Stephanie Meyer is worth $125 million, and I like that she's using 
for success for something like this that's contributing to the film industry in a positive way. Good. And uh, it marks... You mean Twilight's not a positive contribution to the <laughs> film industry? Uh, you don't want to pull it that road with me. Uh, you, I've already got <laughs> Oh, that I know. I, know. I said this for a reason. Well, the reason, like these movies, I think, that she's working on, I think the reason Twilight was a positive contribution to film uh, was because it did have strong female characters. A lot of the studios didn't want to make this movie. They said a woman can't tentpole a franchise. And lo and behold, it kind of changed the way that studios started making movies um, a little okay. bit. Now, whether you like them or not... I will hold my... The only way I've seen the <laughs> Twilight movies is through Rift Tracks. Do you know what Rift Tracks are? <laughs> Do you ever see that? I'm, I'm really digging deep in my nerdism right now, but do you ever see uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yes. So those guys have a website called Riff Tracks. When the show went off, they started recording riffs for new movies. So you can download their riffs, tra their riff tracks, sorry, on movies, and then play them along with the movie. Oh. I've seen every single Twilight movie because they are hilarious. Okay, I have to do that. You have to Riff Tracks. I, we will do a Rift Tracks marathon in, in all and the then, Twilights. And then the Billy Zane movie, please. Oh, no. You sold it. I'll shoot uh, myself in the face if I watch I, I know that the Twilight movies are bad. It's like a drug. You know it's bad. You can't stop. And you just... It was one of those things. I don't know what happened. I just got into it. A bunch of my friends who are very normal, sane people got into it. We did the marathon of all the movies when the last one came out. We spent the day... You were camped out with those Twilight. screaming little children. And it was every one night. of the coolest days ever. So I, I know they're bad movies. I know Vampire Shouldn't Sparkle. I know it's wrong, but it feels right. Um, and I think, you know, in the way that Stephanie Meyer, I guess, kind of got into the film industry through that, she, right. she produced the last two Twilight movies. Right. You know, she is using this to adapt small movies. So it is and, good to see. Uh, it is, and it marks the directorial debut of Jerusa Hess who co-wrote Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre with her husband, Jared Hess, who directed those films. This is her first, her first, uh, film. Okay, so here, here's the question. Yes. In the vein of Austin Land. Yes. If you could go somewhere and recreate, uh, your favorite anything, <laughs> what would it be? You know, it's funny because I asked the cast, um, I asked them, are there any fictional characters that ruin you for real people? Like the way that Mr. Darcy has, the Colin Firth character in Pride and Prejudice. And they all went into these movies. Harry Russell was talking about um, Vigo in A Walk on the Moon and how uh -huh. his character, the way he was so romantic, you know, she saw that movie three times and it ruined her for other people. And, and you know, Jennifer Coolidge joked that the Black Stallion, her feelings for that horse, <laughs> ruined her for real people. So I would say, honestly, um, being as someone who kind of almost pulled an Austin land with the Bronte sisters, so Charlotte Bronte, who wrote Jane Eyre, and Emily Bronte, who wrote Wuthering Heights, and mm -hmm. their sister Anne, who's an author writer, um, I went to Leeds, England, and then to Haworth, which is a little town where you can still go to the Bronte sisters' house, wow. where Jane Eyre was written, and walk along the moors and all of this stuff, so I technically kind of did that. <laughs> you had your own Austin I had land. My, I had my Bronte land moment, and so I, yeah. That was ridiculous. And so that's why I love this movie, because I've gone to England for an author before. <laughs> quite interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very colorful. Again, some people found it a little uneven. I, I'm biased also. A, my quote was on the Blu-ray cover, but I've also interviewed Carrie Russell a bunch of times, which is one of the coolest chicks in the biz. And that kind of brings me into my next recommendation, also very biased, The Americans. 
which season one is on Blu-ray this week. It's um, an FX series. I went into it last week, so I'm going to try to sum up the plot as quickly as I can without going into You have 30 much. seconds. Go oh, ahead. God, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> not this one. Anyway, go ahead. But uh, two Russian spies trained in Russia, post-World War Russia, during the Cold War, come over to the U.S., are in an arranged marriage, have kids as part of their cover of the all-American suburbanites. Right, in the DC. marriage is the cover. Yeah. Marriage as the cover, they have two children as part of the cover, and this is kind of based on what Joe Weisberg, who used to be in the CIA, the creator of the show, uh, this is based on a lot of his research and experiences, but also the fact that this is something that happened and still happens. KGB partnerships are, are hidden in the suburbs in the U.S., uh, have been quite frequently. And of course, to make matters complicated, uh, you know, the, the couple's played by Kerry Russell and the Welsh actor, Matthew Reese and Welsh actor Matthew Reese. Yeah, I think it's important to note that because there's so many British actors coming over here and doing phenomenal American accents. Wow, they're UK trained and you know started off in period pieces and now they come That's over impressive, here yeah. and do a phenomenal job. The two are in this country in uh, 1982 at the height of the Cold War when the Soviets were the biggest threat we thought on U.S. soil or Obviously, to yeah. U.S. existence, and so. Carrie's character is Mother Russia all the way. She sleeps with men for intel, you know, makes sandwiches for the kids in the next scene, and then shoots a guy in the face, you know. Just like Russians do. Just as, no joke. I mean, just as Russians are known, you know, to be cold. Notoriously good sandwich makers and killers. Notorious good bologna sandwich makers and uh, seducers, but... Boiled potatoes. Of course, of course, Matthew Reese's character, to make matters complicated, is quite into American culture loves the children, has a lot of feelings for her. Now that's how the show starts off, and then of course it goes into how that complicates matters. The two of them developing real feelings for one another puts a lot of their covert missions in jeopardy. But I think the acting is really one of the huge strengths of the show. The editing, the directing, we have a bunch of great directors. And I'm biased because I did go to the set this week, and I interviewed the entire cast. I spent about eight hours on set. It's one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. The cast were some of the most respectful, sweet people I've ever uh, had the privilege of interviewing. And they gave me such great stuff. They were so excited to talk about the show. It was a genuinely happy set. And I think there's so many interesting elements that it tackles. Now, of course, it's a little bit campy in that the two spies are constantly wearing all these different wigs and disguises. And there's lots of you know 80s music to go with it. And of course, they have to seduce people in these, you know, ridiculous situations and then turn around and shoot them. But there's a good balance of humor, camp, and reality. And of course, at the end of the day, it's a really dark, dark premise. I know a lot of people, too, on We Got This Cover that actually really like the Americans. Mm. It, we, we're not fans of the Americans. This is not just a little show here. No, it's quickly gaining momentum. It was definitely, I think, a little bit forgotten about last year, but... With, unfortunately, Homeland kind of losing a lot of fans Falling this season. Off. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot about season two when I was on set. I can't say anything about it, but... <laughs> Embargoes. <laughs> I can't say... I mean, they revealed so much, and and, and it's just fascinating um, what they had to say and what's going to happen this season. It's a lot darker than the first season, I think. And I'm really excited for it. So we can advice. expect a nice pickup here in the Americans. <laughs> But you can't say anything or they'll kill you. I can I can say that the first episode is quite shocking. The first few scenes are quite shocking. Gritty and raunchy at the same Ooh, time. I like gritty and raunchy. Exactly. 
<laughs> so, also out on Blu-ray is The Best Man Holiday, Woo! which I don't think I'm allowed to talk about, because last time I did, I got yelled at by everybody. So this is the interesting thing you were talking about before. You said that your review of this movie, you panned it, and people really passionately attacked you for that. Yeah, okay. passionately, based on numerous things that I don't even care to discuss, okay. or even... Really, I don't want to acknowledge it because it's so ridiculous, mm -hmm. but I, agree. I was being told to fall on swords, and I couldn't believe... People were basically saying, just based on my name, that they knew I would write a bad review. And it's... Why? Because my name sounds... Donato! Yeah, exactly. So, it was one of those movies where I reviewed it as a critic, and mm -hmm. I said in my review everything that I said that I didn't like about the movie. Mm -hmm. Chemistry... I think it was really weirdly depressing, yet wow. heartwarming. I, everything's in my review, and that's just one man's opinion. A lot of people liked it. I didn't. It just happened to be. But because I posted that bad review, I got, like, threatened by people because... Well, why do you think there is such a pas uh, passionate fan base for these movies? I mean, this movie did really well. Yeah, it did. And a lot of the critics didn't really like it. And Some yeah. really did, though. Okay. I, I do believe it's even positive on Rotten Tomatoes right now, so I do think so. But it's, I mean, it's one of those things where there is a fan base here, and it's just like writing a bad review for Vampire Academy or something like that. You're going to get attacked. Or Twilight. Or, yeah, or Twilight. You're going <laughs> to get attacked no matter what you write. If you like it, you're going to get attacked. If you don't like it, you're going to get attacked because... Oh, look at this guy over here. He doesn't like it just because he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand it. I'm pretty sure emotions are universal. I think You're everyone... pretty sure you understood that's my holiday. There was I, nothing I mean, that again, everyone has emotions. Weak. Emotions aren't really held to one specific group of people. Mm. So, yes, uh, some of the comments even had to be removed because they were so... Wow. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was ugly. Well, who knew that that would start such a... Huge. Best Man Holiday, uh, but it's out, so all you Best Man Holiday fans, go pick it up. It's there. And if you want to read some mean comments, go to his review. Yeah, I post them on my Instagram because it's hilarious to me. That's I, what I do with mean This is my comments. favorite. I mean, that was sort of my way of dealing with it when I first started doing this. Is like people say some pretty terrible things, and sometimes yeah, there are weird death threats for for nothing. You could write something about you know Kristen Stewart, and people will. Kristen Stewart's a big one. Yeah, she's a very polarizing figure, and and you can get. If you say something positive, especially, people will really jump in your throat. So, yeah. Or make the mistake of looking at what people say under your interviews your, on YouTube. Uh, I never... I, I mean, I, I read the comments... checking on occasion. I read comments for, I mean, humor, almost. I like to read people that sit there and call me a hipster for liking weird horror movies and it's say, crazy like... when they attack you personally, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to read... Some, we're going to do this one day. We're going to write down our oh, favorite comments. Should. And we're oh, just going to read them out. really mean ones. I have some really mean ones. Mean, mean, and some that just don't make any sense where I know that it was a decent And interview. it's hilarious because people can just sit behind their computers and say whatever they want, but, I mean, we're the people sitting here... I mean, I love writing. This is what I do, yeah. and to have someone just jump down your throat without even reading your article... Mm -hmm. That's my favorite. And they don't even know what you're talking about, and they just... But this is going to be a new episode one day. We're going to do a segment. I would of... love that, but I, I've gotten, I'm sure you have too, just very good at completely ignoring it and just laughing. No, I, I laugh. When I... it first start, when it first was a thing, I remember it ruined my day. Why does everybody love me? Why do you hate me? And you're like, you don't like it? And, and it's a thing, you know, 
actors say this too, you know, live by the sword, die by it. If you believe the good, refuse if you believe the bad. So exactly. some people write really sweet things on the bottom of the And they do. And yeah, no, this isn't just people hating. I mean, there are good commenters out there, but... You can tell when somebody's, like, clinically insane writing yeah. a comment, and when somebody makes a good point. You know, there are times when I know I was a little off in something, and they make that point, and I'm like, gotcha. I've had brilliant debates through comments with oh. people that know exactly what they're talking about, and it's awesome. That's what I love. I love if someone can sit there and have a perfectly fine conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say intellectual. If you can just have a perfectly fine conversation because you know what you're talking about, mm -hmm. that's fine. When you get some good guy jumping in saying that I probably live in my grandma's basement and just watch horror movies all day and don't have a girlfriend and it's just like that really sounds awesome okay yeah, yeah, right? I mean that sounds Thanks phenomenal Nana where's my food no that would be phenomenal so I have two more movies I want to talk about really quick you go ahead you, you contributed more to the conversation this time but that's fine I, did, I told you next I was, time I was a busy man last week but yeah, I, I did, recommended like two movies and I'm out Sorry. I, I did two screenings that I want to talk about really quickly uh, because I don't really have much Blu-ray stuff to talk about this week. Okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about, it is called Almost Human. It is a horror movie. This is where my this is my time of the podcast I where I get to be all nerdy and horror-y. Yeah. But, so it's called Almost Human. It is an awesome hybrid between an abduction thriller, a slasher movie, and like a creature feature. Huh. So we get the beginning, which is an alien abduction, right. and it's basically some guy in Maine uh, blue lights, all the normal stuff. Friend, <laughs> all the normal stuff. All the normal stuff. Friend vanishes, maybe some probing, I don't know. We don't see that. Yeah. But uh, two years later, friend comes back. Obviously something wrong. He's this big hulking dude as well, so that adds to the whole horror of the situation. And he basically goes on a killing spree, but it also kind of, it's him, quote-unquote, improving people. So this alien, it's basically the alien race is trying to take over, but what's awesome improving people improve yeah it's wow. improving people in the sense that he thinks that his alien race is obviously superior so what's really cool though is joe bagos is the writer director first feature mm -hmm. and he makes an awesome impression by basically going back to 80s horror doing killer practical effects and giving us like a really fun horror movie that doesn't take itself seriously but it blends three genres together in this way that like the way i looked at it is like Invasion of the Body Snatchers meets The Thing meets Friday the 13th. Because okay. you get elements of all that in there. You get the... I hope the good elements. The, yes, you get the good elements all in there. And you get, like, the crazy slayings of Friday the 13th. It's just over-the-top, like, rubber hands flying. <laughs> so, like, but it's really well done. So horror fans, be on the lookout for that. You've got about a month until that comes out. Oh, but really? when you see Almost Human, I'll bring it up again and remind you, but big on that one. The other movie I saw was a movie called Blue Ruin. Went to Cannes, went to so many festivals. Uh, took a, I think it took a prize, actually, in Cannes. It took the... Oh, I'm not going to pronounce that right, but it was an International Critics Prize for mm. one of those really gritty genre movies. And it's... All it is is a simple story of revenge. We meet a man named Dwight, played by Macon Blair, and he basically is like a hobo. We meet him and he's just living in his car. Yeah. He doesn't really do anything. He just hangs out under a boardwalk. And the first thing we see him do after a little bit of eating dumpster food is yeah. he sees a newspaper and it's a criminal being released. So obviously you realize that he was absolutely devastated by something that this criminal did. 
and the very pretty much the very next scene there's a little time passes but he follows this criminal home or follows him to his welcome home party and it's one of those like family get-togethers where the whole family is insane you can tell <laughs> and he murders this guy he just kills him in the bathroom leaves leaves his car there there's a whole mishap the car gets traced back to his sister and the family wants revenge he sends his sister away stays in the house and then from there it's him dealing with his struggle because he wanted revenge he gets revenge and now he has to fight his way out of it but it's not a normal revenge movie this isn't a crazy action film okay. this is a really deep where violence isn't shown in a positive way violence is shown mm -hmm. in a brutally gut-wrenching disgusting way like when he kills the criminal i had to look away like, this is me yeah not this is me like the horror guy who watches this stuff every day and i was no. See, I can't do this. This was, uh, it's like a punch to the stomach, and the violence stays like that. It's, revenge isn't good. We watch Kill Bill movies, and they're fun. Yeah. There's nothing I wrong with that. Heads. Exactly. I want to see Herman just go and ape shit, but this actually brings all those revenge films in a different light, and it actually shows, like, hey, this is real life. This is what happens when you do stuff like this, oh. and I'm... Again, I'm being very vague for a reason. You should all see this movie, Blue Ruin. It doesn't come out until April. Okay. So we have a long way before this one comes out. And again, I will bring it up when it does come out. Actually, April, April 25th. Okay. So you can be on the lookout for that. But, man, this was a punchy, pretty heavy film. And it's the way revenge should be done. This is one of those films you watch. And it's revenge. And it shows consequences and it shows a man that's completely broken and what do you do when you're pushed to the boundaries and you act out you still have consequences after that this isn't some fairy tale where you kill whoever wronged you and everything's over now you have your family or you know your sister to take care of her children they're all involved you just involved everybody in your own problems and it's done right see i don't know if i could do this i mean i i remember loving drive until a point and I know it was a good film overall but because the violence completely engulfed the second half of the movie oh, and it was so brutal. unbelievably realistic I think it was you know it's it's kind of this interesting gritty crime film you know with a bit of artisticness to it and well, yeah you look at I mean you look at only uh, did you see only God forgives and then only God forgives is, is way worse. I couldn't even stomach that movie. Um, you know, it it's something where it was just a regular narrative film, and then after the scene in the elevator is with Carrie Mulligan, oh. and he just stomps this man's head off. And then after that, it was just all hell broke loose. I have to look, like, I, I still love that movie, so I will watch it, but I'll know when to look away and then watch the rest of the movie. I think Drive was actually more violent than only God Forgives in a way. Because Only God Forgives was brutal, don't get me wrong, but there was way more killing. I mean, when Christina Hendricks gets oh, blown God, away yeah. by that shotgun, that was... I had my head in my hands for Only God Forgives for a lot of it, so... Uh, I don't know. That's a good good point. Where, where do you stand on... This is interesting because mm -hmm. I have my own opinions. Where do you stand on Drive and Only God Forgives? So thumbs up, thumbs down? Oh, God. You know, for me... Drive was a really well-made movie. It was a great concept. 
I loved all the actors, even the support, like the supporting cast. Brian Cranston, I thought, was so against hype and great in it. Come on, but I love what he did with his role. And I, you know, I was thinking about that story afterwards. I was wondering what happened to the character, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, the driver. With Only God Forgives, I really just wanted to forget about it as soon as possible. And I remember absolutely hating it, but then thinking about it and thinking, wow, it was such a bold decision to make that movie essentially a silent film almost. Yeah. Um, with all these bizarre karaoke scenarios oh, in Bangkok. The music was phenomenal. It fits so perfectly. I love and those you, scenes. And you just see him singing and you're just like, what is going on? I love those scenes. I really did. I loved uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. Uh, as his mother, as, as Ryan Gosling's mother. The foul-mouthed mother. I, I just loved all her scenes. I wanted more scenes of that her. Was so, the whole yeah. sexual tension was so weird, though. Oh, it was I such was so a... Disgusting. Even until the very end, you know? So, I would never watch it again, but I, I did appreciate the style. See, it, what's interesting is I'm the opposite. Mm. I actually... I feel how you feel about Only God Forgives. I feel that way about Drive. I saw it once, and I was like... I don't, there was not enough development for me with Carrie Mulligan and Ryan Gosling. Mm. Their whole silent relationship did not work for me. I, I get what they were going for, yeah. but relationships aren't built off long gazes and my book has coming home. Or stuff like that. It, I, it's coming home from prison. Yeah. Oscar it's, Isaac. Oh, it's true. Oh my god, yeah. Oscar Isaac, wow. Vince Lundae, this is the boyfriend from Friends and everyone. But again, though, I did the review for Only God Forgives, and then I got to do the Blu-ray review, which is really cool, because I saw it in theaters, I put my thoughts down, and it was like, okay. I was middle of the road on it. I think, for what it was artistically, it did what it wanted to do. Right. Then I got to watch it on Blu-ray, or watch it again, and really take it in again. Uh-huh. And it, things started clicking where I was like, really? I actually kind of like it now. So, I don't know. I just Maybe wanted to I know your I think you should try to give it a watch. Yeah. Visually watching what Refn does there. Nicholas. Yeah, Nicholas Wanya Refn. The driver. The, dri- the driver. The director. Yeah, of the the film. Driver, <laughs> but what he does visually is so insane where he can convey emotion just by putting a filter on the camera where Gosling is mad, but you don't hear him yelling or hear that in his dialogue because there really is no dialogue. Yeah, but he'll throw just a red filter in the room where it's like, oh, he's mad because everything's red. Like, stuff like that. I I like that in Only God Forgives. And I liked how he told the story through the setting. And what a beautiful setting it was. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's crazy violent at times. It's insane. Oh, that one scene. Oh. There's so many, but the one... I, I was going to say, which was the one... Which the, is the worst The one for you? where... Uh, I mean, was it when Nelson was fighting? The guy is murdered in the yeah. nightclub. Mm-hmm. I I don't even. My friend told me what happened. Because you wouldn't watch it. Because and I didn't even. And even though I saw some of it, it's a horrible, horrible murder scene. Yes, it's very gruesome. I looked away. Yeah. Completely. I, I loved my sitting in my screening because I had so many people like you. Like, even the girl next to me was just sitting there, she couldn't I couldn't take it, and I asked my friend, okay, what happened, and he told me the rest of it, and I was still disgusted and couldn't stop thinking about it, like, even though I didn't actually watch it, he communicated to me what happened. This is actually, this also happened to me with 12 Years a Slave. Um, There's some things I couldn't watch, and I had to have somebody tell me, and I still feel like I saw it. Watching Chewie just hang in there for, like, five minutes, that was... So... I think, though, for me with Drive, 
one of the coolest scenes, I think it's a cool scene in just terms of movies in general, the scene where he and Carrie Mulligan, you know, they have this kind of meet, cute, interesting little flirtatious relationship with no dialogue, and it's, it's very innocent compared to the rest Long of the movie. Gazes Long gazes. Gosling being broody. And just the scene where they're in the elevator, and he realizes that there's a man in there with a gun that yeah. he's going to have to kill. Yeah. And he knows that she's going to witness him murder this man right before her very eyes. It's it's, and she, her opinion of him is now going to change because he's the gentle stranger. It's a big step in a relationship. So he pushes her into the corner of the elevator, has this like slow motion kiss, and then Boom. kills this guy. Kills him so brutally. Oh god. And she sees this, and he knows that that's that. That's always a end. weird discussion the next day. Hey honey, sorry you had to always see me murder that guy. Hey, sorry I stopped that guy's head off in the elevator. No. Oh, it's okay, because you're a great kisser. And you're Ryan Gosling, and you can do no harm, Baby Goose. We should have written the sequel. <laughs> Just Baby Goose being an awesome hey, man. Baby Goose. Say, yeah, I'd call him Baby can Goose. Can we call it Baby Goose 2, even though there was no Baby Goose 1, and just assume that Only people will understand? it has the subtitle Electric Boogaloo. Baby Goose 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, that would probably be a good title. You heard it here first, folks. I've greenlit this, even though I don't have a film studio. <laughs> You and your imaginary film studio have yes. dream like this. I've already, it's already Along premiered. Along with Bad Milo 2, passed. 3, 4, and 5, because there should <laughs> never... Bad Milo crumbles. There should be entire franchises of Bad Milo. And I think that's a good note to end this on. Bring up Bad Milo. It's a nice, Bad Milo's a nice bookend for our podcast. Every podcast is good. I think we should start Milo. with Bad Milo and end with Bad Milo. And you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Just Browning. And I'm at Donato Bomb. So you can find us anywhere, pretty much. Find us on the Twitter. Find us on We Got This Covered. Look at our videos, Instagram, read our articles. Instagram. Let's just shamelessly promote ourselves. Until I have a YouTube channel. I already mentioned. I'm gonna mention again. Just Dean Browning. YouTube. I'm a pretty cool guy. That's all I got. That's not your YouTube channel. No, I'm just a cool guy. I'm just telling people. I want people to know. On that note. On that note. Until next week, everybody. Good night and good luck.